Welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and this is another Kundalini Awakening Q&A compilation. In today's compilation, we'll be covering topics such as Kundalini Awakening, meditation and retreats, reintegrating back into relationships and the world, as well as Divine Nectar, also known in Sanskrit as Amrita. You can join us for the next Kundalini Q&A meeting on Zoom. Visit brentspirit.com slash kundalini QA for more info. At the moment, it's free to join. As well, you can check out the other parts of this series. There's over 70 talks and interviews on the Kundalini Awakening process. Many of your questions may be answered there as well. Now, if you're looking for more personal support, you can find out about meeting with me one-on-one for a session over Zoom. I'm here to help. You can visit brentspirit.com slash sessions to find out more. Please don't forget to leave a rating for the show on Spotify if you haven't already. If you have, thank you so much. You can also hit follow. You can also find me on YouTube. I appreciate all of your support. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. In this segment, we'll be talking about Kundalini awakening and reintegrating back into relationships. So earlier on in your process, you were, I guess you said, locked up in your house. For one year. For one year. Right, right. Yeah. So so this is very common that uh, we are forced into some situation where we have to take space uh, from another, either in a classical way, it's, you know, you go on a retreat or, or, you know, you spend time uh, in some sort of spiritual community. But uh, for for many of us, we're forced to take space either due to, um, you know, the intense emotional stuff coming up. Maybe we lose our job. Sometimes people get sick. Sometimes relationships fall apart. Somehow or the other, we end up alone in a sort of forced retreat uh, with very little interaction with the world in most cases. Um, Speaking in a more broader sense, the pandemic put a lot of people into that position. And uh, of course, the pandemic's there's many themes there, but one of the themes was, um, you know, a, a forced retreat and it served for many people's uh, awakening process. Uh, maybe some people here can say, you know, the pandemic had a big part in their awakening. I know that many people that I've been in touch with, it's played a role. But um, in any case, yes, we we find ourselves alone in solitude at times. And then, of course, um, after going through whatever healing and transformation in, in the solitude, we return back out into the world in a new place. We're, we're, we're reborn, we're transformed. So when it comes to interacting with other people, I, I would say um, set the intention to, to interact with mindfulness, with presence, with consciousness, and trust that those very simple approaches in time will, will address any of the challenges that you may find that you're faced with. So that's where we always fall back on. We say, I want to practice being present, being mindful, being conscious. Um, there are some great books that you can read that aren't specifically about Kundalini. Often when we return back into the world, we're asked to some degree to let go of the Kundalini narrative, to stop looking at our process solely as a Kundalini awakening and now look at, at it more of a, in, in a more holistic overall sense of now, this is just spiritual life. Um, and so from here, all the other spiritual guidance and texts and books out there become very, very applicable 
For example, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. He speaks about interacting with people. He speaks about relationships. He doesn't speak about Kundalini awakening per se, but all of those teachings will still apply. The work of uh, you know Thich Nhat Hanh, very much applicable here. As well, um, when it comes to uh, something like boundaries, uh, a lot of the uh, the material that's coming out of, say, the psychology world uh, by therapists, by psychologists that speak about maybe navigating family dynamics, maybe navigating codependency, uh, dealing with maybe uh, in more extreme cases, people with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, all of that material can be very much applicable that we can use to figure out how do we get back into the world to operate in a way that is respectful of others and also respectful of ourselves. So that's how we can learn how to establish boundaries and whatnot. You're not likely to find a lot of material online that says how to establish boundaries in relationships after you've had a Kundalini awakening because it's too specific. It's too much of a, a, a niche topic. But if you look at all the material online about how to establish boundaries, there's plenty of material online and it's all applicable here. So you can look on YouTube as well. There's a lot of great stuff there. When it comes to so learning how, to, go ahead. I have to totally ignore the fact that I've had a Kundalini. I ignore it. I don't care about it. No, I don't not, put it in consideration. I have right, the role of the Kundalini it. here. Yeah, it's not that you ignore that you've had a Kundalini awakening. It's just that you want to set the intention not to let go of the narrative and look in a more broader sense. And one paradigm that you can look at this through is the Buddhist paradigm, where Kundalini awakening is maybe mentioned here and there, but they have a much larger context that they're looking at the spiritual path through. And a lot of that comes down to uh, things that, you know, how do we apply uh, right livelihood, right action? How do we um, operate in relationships? So Kundalini is just one piece of the puzzle within the Buddhist paradigm. And that's why I'm saying, yeah. look at the overall spiritual teachings out there that don't speak specifically to Kundalini, because you might get trapped. You may feel lost. You may feel like, you know, I don't forget this from you, but just generally may feel like I'm so special. I had a Kundalini awakening. I need special teachings. I need special instruction. When you don't really, it, it now it, it's all the all the stuff that's out there. Um, it's very much applicable here. In this segment, we'll be talking about Kundalini awakening and Amrita, also known as divine nectar. You're speaking about Amrita. So Amrita is a Sanskrit word. Uh, it's, it's referring to like this divine nectar. Maybe some of us have experienced this. It's seems to be like a, a very sweet liquid that seems to be secreted from the head into the mouth down to the rest of the system. It can be associated with bliss. Um, it's a sign and theme on the kundalini awakening journey but not everybody experiences it not everybody experiences it to the same degree so it shouldn't be something actively sought after uh these experiences shouldn't be used as a measure of whether we're doing good or how far along we are per se everyone has their own unique experience this is the the way that i think about it there may be some other teachers out there that say no you need to have this experience of amrita i don't think so i think everybody has a very unique experience um so sometimes people will just get this taste in their mouth, even very early on in the process. They just get this sweet taste. It's like honey. Um, sometimes they smell things as well, like different sensations like this. But it is a thing. I've experienced it myself. Um, for me, it happened at a more advanced 
stage when the energy was really making its way into the head towards uh, sort of uh, stabilization at, at the crown. And it happened to me in conjunction with a mudra uh, called Kachari Mudra. So um, Kachari Mudra occurred to me spontaneously. I, I don't really feel that we should force these types of things, but it's when the tongue moves to the back of the throat up towards a soft palate. And uh, there's a channel there somewhere near the sinuses or something. I'm not too familiar with the anatomy, but there's an energetic channel there. So when the tip of the tongue connects with the, the back of the, the mouth there, the soft palate up at the top, it closes this loop and it can allow that energy to flow and, and, and the Amrita to flow downwards. Um, and so this is when I experienced it. And this had also allowed the energy to flow very much upwards through the neck and into the head in a very, very intense way. Um, so that was my experience of it. This marked uh, uh, a point where I reached like a, a quite advanced state of the process. I wouldn't refer to absolute completion. As you must know, I refer to relative completion of this process. And I say relative because I don't think the process ever ends. I think for the rest of our lives, we'll be going through different phases and uh, developments in our journey. But we can reach a relative completion where we can look back and say, okay, I've I've gotten through the the dark night, the intense purification period. I'm feeling stable. I'm feeling grounded. I'm feeling present. And there's a maturity that comes. Um, and that may be associated with some people's experience of this, this Amrita flowing downwards. Um, however, don't use that as your measure. Like I said, some people reach very advanced stages and they don't know anything about even Kundalini. They don't even have any sort of energetic, crazy phenomena. It's very subtle. It's very gradual. And, and, they may look at us and say, I don't know what these people are talking about, but they're very, very advanced. So it's something to keep in mind. Mm. Um, of course, uh, is you know we want to look into the future and, and study and learn and all of that's more than welcome and it's good, it's useful. As long as we temper it with a bit of, this is a unique natural unfolding and, and maybe I'll experience this, maybe I won't. Maybe you'll experience things that have never been documented before that are really far out and incredible too. So it goes both ways. But uh, we don't want to get too attached to any one particular little experience. Overall, we want to just do our best to um, support ourselves with self-care, practice mindfulness, practice presence, practice self-love, and live uh, in accordance with you know our highest values. And that's that's the best paradigm to operate from. In this segment, we'll be speaking about Kundalini awakening, meditation, mindfulness, vipassana and retreats. I wanted to ask in your uh, experience and your estimation, how uh, important is it or how useful is it to have a regular uh, sitting practice a regular, like a daily meditation uh, practice um, and, and I realize as I'm trying to articulate this, there's like a, there's a, there's a, there's a before and an after kind of sense to this. Like how much does like a regular meditation practice help, uh, possibly lead to and cultivate, uh, an awakening experience and then going, going beyond that. And after one has experienced something like that. How significant and important is it, uh, important is it uh, to have a regular uh, meditation practice? Right. Great question. Great question. So I'm not particularly militant about it. 
I don't think it's an absolute for everybody. Um, however, I think that the benefits are immeasurable. And if it's possible, I think we should all work towards cultivating a regular seated meditation practice, no matter what stage we're at in the journey. And I say this um, because lately I've been working towards cultivating, uh, sitting consistently after a couple of years of, of not really sitting much at all. Um, and it's changed my life. Not so much specifically to do with my spiritual practice and kundalini and whatnot, but my executive functioning, um, my overall well-being is just, it's been exponentially increased as a result of just sitting regularly. So I recommend it for everybody. Um, early on in the process, it's very, very useful to uh, first cultivate an awakening of kundalini itself, and then to help us to uh, create a safe container for the process to unfold. Um, what happens for many people is they say, whenever I meditate, it gets really intense. So I, they say, I can't meditate. I don't like to argue with them. I don't like to force or push, but I'll say it here. I think that when things get intense during meditation, you should keep meditating. Let it get intense. The meditation is a safe place for it to get intense, for it to push through and bring things up for the kriyas to come, for the emotional stuff to come, for the pain, the fear, let all of that come up. If if meditation is in a safe space for it to come up, I don't know what is. Maybe in community, maybe in therapy, maybe with somebody you really care about who can hold space for you, for sure. But but being with yourself and cultivating that those containers, uh, very, very uh, uh, useful um, to facilitate this process. Eventually, what happens is with the practice, after the awakening of Kundalini, we stop meditating per se, and we start becoming meditated. The, the, the Kundalini meditates us. And maybe some of us have experienced this, where um, you go into meditation, it's like something else is guiding the meditation, something else is, is leading you, you try and control things like say, I'm going to focus on my breath. And you just can't do that, but you end up going deeper just by letting that go because something else is facilitating the awakening. Sorry, the yeah, you can say the awakening, but something else is facilitating the uh, the deepening of your of your state of consciousness of your presence. Um, so it's very important uh, that we can create containers. For some, the container is writing in a journal. Sure. For some, the container is laying in bed and allowing the energy to, you know, move their body. For some, it's going on a walk. It doesn't have to be seating. Uh, seated in meditation, but that's definitely one of the best ways. I think, I think we all should cultivate it even 20 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. The benefits are immeasurable for everybody on the path. Um, even though it's not on the path, science is showing it. It's, it's really great, but it's not important. I know people that are at very advanced stages who say I've never meditated before and, and they're very advanced explicitly with Kundalini, you know, they're having, you know, they've been through in Kundalini in very intense ways. Uh, some of them I, I, I've interviewed on my channel, actually. Um, so it's not necessary. However, some spiritual practice, I think, is necessary. So as we know, in yoga, we have, you know, the different types of yoga, right? There's, there's yana yoga, you sit, you meditate, you contemplate. Um, then there's karma yoga, right? Service. There's bhakti yoga, there's devotion, chanting, prayer, these emotional practices. So as long as we have some practice and some safe containers, I think that uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be well on our way. But I, I don't see anything wrong with cultivating a practice. I think it's, can't, I can't express it enough. And this is something I'm learning very much myself. I'm actually going on a retreat uh, 
for uh, uh, 10 days uh, practicing Vipassana, uh, like in a couple of weeks. And that's because I've just recognized how important this this is. And um, I'm ready to reap a, a lot of benefits from it, uh, more so than ever, I think. So it's a great question, Paul. I hope I was able to offer you some clarity. Hi, Brent. Thank you. Um, yeah, as, a follow, as a follow-up to that, I wanted to ask, um, I'm also going on a retreat in February and I'm a, a five-day retreat. I'm a little concerned. I haven't done a retreat in a number of years, partly because... Um, I just think I would be a a uh, just a disturbance to others. I'm I'm wondering should I talk to the retreat leaders first? Should I just trust that everything's going to be okay? Should I do my own thing in my own room when things come up? Any suggestions practically how to deal with um, Kundalini kriyas uh, while attending a retreat? Great, great, great question. Something that's been a little bit on my mind as well, uh, considering like I said, I'm going on a retreat uh, myself uh, in in a couple of weeks. Um, February, I, I mean, I would say I'm going to give you an answer, but I would say February is a little bit away. I think uh, a lot will change for you leading up to that. So uh, just keep that in mind. But um, personally, I wouldn't mention anything until something arises, then you can speak about it. Hopefully the teacher is astute enough to understand a little bit about uh, the Kriyas, um, even though they may not acknowledge Kundalini awakening. They may acknowledge the spontaneous movements as things are coming up. And if it's coming up to a degree that you end up being a, a disturbance, use that, leave the teacher. That's in the teacher's hands. If they feel you are, for sure. But if your job is to sit with whatever comes up, the other student's job is to sit with whatever's coming up. And so if they're getting disturbed by you, um, maybe that's their work. But ultimately, I would say it's up to the teacher to to figure out how to navigate that. They may say, okay, you know, take some space and privacy and, and go through that. But um, my approach would be to just let it come up and then deal with it afterwards. Um, unless, you know, you feel like the teacher's approachable and you can feel that out. But overall, um, for the most part, those that are leading retreats, they should have had some experience with this to some degree and be able to accommodate and understand. Um, can I ask which uh, type of retreat is it? Is it a particular teaching organization tradition? Yeah, it's no problem. In, it's, in, it's in Massachusetts in, um, yeah. Or is it uh, IMS? Yeah, it's IMS, yeah. Oh yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Good good people there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you can read, um, um, you can listen to Joseph Goldstein, I think you're familiar with Joseph Goldstein. Yeah, that, that's his. Uh, that's his place. Um, yeah, you'll be just fine. Uh, they're very, very, very astute. Um, somebody that I know who who runs retreats said they're the best in the world. I can't say that, but I can, I could give you a secondhand opinion. Uh, they're the best in the world for for mindfulness meditation. You'll be just fine. That's very exciting. I would love to to make it down there sometime. I'm doing uh, vipassana with um Goenka, so um. Similar, similar, but uh, a little different as well. Great. So I, I wish you Thank all the you. best on your on your retreat. Yeah. Thank you, Brent. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>